Hey friend, I'm super excited to dive into this episode. But before we do, I wanted to come in here and personally invite you to Radiant Era. Radiant Era will help you create habits and rituals that support you, not deplete you. Get this, if you're experiencing dissatisfaction in any area of your life, you can trace it back to your habits. That's how powerful they are. Building and practicing new habits can help you trust yourself more than ever, build confidence, create better boundaries, become the woman of high self-integrity that you desire to be because you are keeping your word to yourself. Inside Radiant Era, you'll have all the tools and support that you need to create radiant rituals, better boundaries, and speak up unfiltered and unafraid. When you join Radiant Era, you get instant access to the library of content via a private podcast, which I know you'll love, and you get a group coaching call, which is on the first Wednesday of the month. So it is coming up here. We would love to welcome you in, help you really step into bold, decisive action, create change in your life, and build the self-trust that will support you in all areas of your life. It is time to step into your Radiant Era. For the link to join and more information, just DM me the word Radiant on Instagram. My Instagram is at Erica with a C dot a King A K I N G B O Y E. Or you can check out the show notes below. Say it with me. This is my radiant era. Hope to see you inside. I don't know if you're familiar with the triple bottom line with the concept that's out there that I definitely did not create it, but it's basically people, planet, and profit to have a business that runs well that it's not just profit-based, right? So as a business owner, I'm not just looking at incoming revenue. I'm very much so taking into account the people that it impacts, the people that are participating, the people that are producing, the planet, whatever the environment, and then profit. Welcome to What's Her Story, the podcast for ambitious women who are ready to use their story as a catalyst for change. I'm your host, Erica Akingwe, best-selling author, content strategist, and author coach to high-achieving, globally-minded women. I started this podcast because honestly, I'm nosy. Every time I see a woman shining, living aligned and abundant in life and business, I wonder, ooh, what's her story? I know this, women who believe in themselves and their story are better equipped to help others transform. So if you're ready to connect over honest conversations and be inspired by other impact-driven women, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and welcome to the What's Your Story podcast. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. I am wondering, what is your favorite children's book? Favorite picture book from growing up? I can tell you so many of our childhood memories are built around books that we read in, you know, the school library, in our homes, at bedtime, when our parents asked us to go occupy ourselves and we just 
found ourselves in a pile of books or was that just me? Children's books and picture books are just such a beautiful way to escape into our imagination, to learn new things, to connect with the people around us, to fall asleep a little bit easier sometimes, or to just waken up our dreams. So I'm wondering, what is that book that comes to mind for you? I would love for you to head over to Instagram and tell me your book, tag me on it. One of my favorite books growing up was called Meanwhile Back at the Ranch. And I just remember the pictures were so vivid. It was a funny, humorous book. I still have it to this day. 40 years later. Okay, I didn't get it when I was born, but I've at least had it 30 years. And I was so excited to read it to my kids when they were born because it just carries something special with it. There's no big moral to that story. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it is just fun and whimsical. And for whatever reason, it just stood out to me. So maybe you have a story like that where you are just still to this day very connected. We could not have a summer author series without having a children's book author. I am so excited to bring you a conversation with my friend Kimberly Wyman who is just so incredible on so many levels which you're going to get a little taste of her in our conversation. Kimberly is a social entrepreneur and best-selling author and illustrator of children's books that nurture givers, growers, and gigglers. Her recent book, Grow Love, remained Amazon's number one new release for six weeks and was number one bestseller. As a former expat who studied, worked, and fostered to adopt abroad, Kimberly has a degree in international studies with a Japanese concentration. She was a founding owner of an international brand strategy and design firm for global leaders and world-renowned clients. Using her expertise of design and messaging, Kimberly now fills her heart by building worlds and creating stories for children instead of corporations. I love that pivot. Kimberly has been featured on local TV networks and has been a prominent speaker at community leadership events. Kimberly is available to write and speak about creating and independently publishing children's books that encourage necessary conversations and what it means to identify as a social entrepreneur in life and business. She lives in Metro Detroit, Michigan with her husband, two children, Kit Kat and Pup. As you can probably already hear from her bio, she and I have so much in common and I'm guessing you are going, yes, oh, tell me more. Ooh, what's her story? She is just amazing and I know you are going to love getting to know her and how she incorporates her core values as a social and environmental entrepreneur. How her values really drive and dictate the books she publishes, the work she does in the world, how she operates her business, and there's so many valuable nuggets and lessons for us, whether you're a business owner or you're an author, or how you want to integrate more of your values of 
caring about people, planet, and profit. So kick back, relax, and get ready for another great conversation with Kimberly Wyman. Welcome to the What's Your Story podcast, Kimberly. Hello, how are you? I am great. I am super excited to have you. You've been in my Aligned and Abundant Author program as a guest mentor. So I'm excited to introduce you to my bigger podcast family, all my friends. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. If they're your friends, they're my friends. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that our circles are just very interconnected and I feel like we have a very similar who we attract you know we yes. have some commonalities and so Absolutely. I know my my friends are gonna love you oh well thank you <laughs> and I think we're both Enneagram ones right you're a one two yes I yes am. and so I feel like we have a lot of shared <laughs> commonalities there too <laughs> that is true and I love that since we both love travel I feel like that fits into our seven like free like let's just let loose a little bit explore have some fun and yeah so we definitely vibe in that same like yeah yeah enneagram world absolutely well i'm excited about having you specifically in this summer author series because i've been featuring authors in all genres and different formats and you are who I think of immediately when I think of children book author and illustrator and social impact, like all wrap up into one. And so I've already introduced my friends to you. I've read your bio before we've jumped on, but I'd love to give you an opportunity to share who is Kimberly, the author and illustrator. Who are you right now? Who am I right now? You know, that's a really good question because I actually do feel like I'm in a little bit of a transition. And I don't know, like not a, not a significant transition. So I'm still children's author, illustrator. I love it. It's a huge passion of mine. Writing for children is a huge passion for mine. Entertaining children and world building is a huge passion of mine. So that is all very much staying the same. But I feel like the transition, I feel like I've gone in previous years being more educational or speaking more on like nonfiction topics, things that are really important and really matter, such as being a global citizen. You may recall, like I talked a ton about raising global citizens and what that means and how we can all identify, self-identify as global citizens. And I feel like recently my work, especially with my upcoming book that's going to be coming out in September of 24, it's really more entertainment. And so, yeah, I really, I feel like, and that's my internal transition a little bit where I think I'm finding a new writing groove and illustrating groove just for the sake of entertaining my own inner child and letting people just get lost in stories and have fun. And for a long time, you know, I'm definitely, education is so important to me, definitely one of my top values. And so when you are educate yourself constantly and you value that so much, it's hard to not have that bleed into absolutely everything that you do. And so now I'm like, I don't know. I'm just feeling more of an opportunity just to say, wow, what would, you know, six-year-old Kimberly, seven-year-old Kimberly, eight-year-old Kimberly really enjoy and write for her? And I have to say, I don't think seven-year-old Kimberly really wants to be taught all the time. 
right? <laughs> I just think that we always want these embedded messages of like hitting you in the face. But I think that there's equal, if not even more importance and value and just getting lost in, in joy and in fun and in wonder. And so I would have to say that's where I'm currently at now is in that new direction. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the like playfulness because part of your bio says that you build worlds and create stories for children. And I was wondering about that because like the world, it does make sense with global citizens, but like also that imaginative, playful, get lost. How would you be dreaming and thinking as a seven-year-old? I think that's so fun to like tap into. Yeah. And it's definitely been fun for me because it's, it's not how I normally, you know, I, I write like white papers, obviously not for children, <laughs> but like very scholarly, very highly educated. That tends to be my tone of voice. And I remember years ago, my husband saying, gosh, honey, your books will be great for any five-year-old who has a PhD. <laughs> okay. I get what you're saying. I need to like, and also just knowing that with my background and experience with global citizenship, that my characters, they automatically have that built in. Yeah. Every character in my book, my upcoming book, they're global citizens for sure. I just don't have to use the words that they embody what a global mm. citizen is, in my opinion, connecting with nature, connecting with people, being open to explore and to receive and to give. And and so that's just kind of like my new standard. And now it's like, okay, well, these these kids just embody those that those characteristics. I don't have to talk about them. And now I can get into like, what world do I want to live in? What world do I want my character to live in? And really get in invested in that. And so it's fun. So fun. I can't so fun. wait to read that September 24th. So I have a a few minutes to to anticipate this coming out. You do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Which is another thing I wanted to touch on is you are such a great example of the long game and the long-term perspective, the shelf life of your books. Sometimes I, even myself, I personally feel like whether it's writing a book or anything on my to-do list, it's like, did that next did yeah. that next. And instead of saying, okay, I did this and how can I nurture it even more? How can I expand the impact past the first, you know, 60, 90 days of launch, which is when a book is usually has a lot of traction. Yeah, And that's by our own, you know, where we put our attention, that's where the energy is going to flow. And so- yes. Sometimes we drop it too quickly and you have just really stuck with it and created new ways of engaging children with your books, finding other ways to promote it. So I'd love for you to maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Like, do you have a game plan or where, what are some of the things that you've done that you're like, that really helps or that was good? Yeah. And so I think especially in the genre of children's books, maybe there is more of an opportunity to extend the book itself. Not that any book couldn't be extended, but I think with children's books, especially picture books, because you have a written and then also visual. So I feel like there's multiple opportunities to tap into when you're talking about the book. So my last book, Grow Love, 
is a picture book. And what people may not know, and this is something that I didn't even do a, a super great job of talking about in the beginning. And now it's like, okay, well, let's explore and educate people and let people know. So on every page, there's a different Arctic animal. So there's a, not a main character in the book. So it's definitely a message-based storybook. But every single character, every single animal in the book, I actually wrote a character profile on. So that's something that people just, you know, they'll see on Arctic facts. I've actually named the fox. I know where the fox lives. I know what the fox does to grow love. That's the concept of the book is growing love. Um, and so that in itself to individually take a character or a scene and build that out and to be able to talk about whether you want to turn that into a behind the scenes, whether you, however you want to talk about that, but that's an opportunity for any author, I feel like, to just take mm -hmm. one section and deep dive into that section. Because, you know, as writers, Erica, I'm sure that when you wrote your book, you're not sitting down and just like flying right through it. Like there's purpose and intention with yeah. just about every single word, definitely sentence, definitely paragraph and for sure chapter. So you yes. could have take that and really do like a deep dive and tie that to different stories or examples or motivations or inspirations for you. And that gives you an opportunity to talk about the book without talking about the book, right? Like yes. to talk about like specifically without like, I guess I should say, without trying to sell the book, you're just talking about the book. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's an opportunity to do, um, you know, the setting again with the children's book, um, it was all set in the Arctic. And so to talk about the eight countries that create the Arctic and geographically where that's located, what that looks like, what the countries, the areas of the countries, the U.S. is actually part of it, Alaska, which sometimes people separate out Alaska separate. because it's not the continental U.S., but I just actually had the opportunity of being in Alaska earlier this year. Amazing. Phenomenal trip. Highly recommend. I for sure want to go back for like an extended stay. I really enjoyed Alaska a lot. But that was another opportunity for me to be able to say, hey, actually two of my characters from Girl Love are based from Alaska. And to be able to talk about it in that way. I also feel like from a book standpoint, activities that you can do that characters may do to expand it. I feel like the one of the brilliant things about a picture book is it is not just cover to cover. You read a book and you're done. Yeah. You can do projects, activities, foods. I mean, you can really extend that those opportunities for your child, for classrooms, for whoever your audience is to really deep dive into that where then the message is actually like becoming more natural. You're not reading a message. You're not basically reading it to educate and then hoping the child walks away with it. That you're talking about different ways for you to grow love activities. What can we do for grandma and grandpa? What can we do for the mailman? What can we do? And I feel like all of these things are just an opportunity to extend. So I think that there's definitely those opportunities. And then when you look at that, I mean, I probably just talked about a year's worth of content. For sure. Right? Yeah. And so, and that's a way also, I think, for authors to get beyond that 60 to 90 day launch period or promo period in a way where you're not also sick of the book. So yeah. I don't know if you've actually ever run into this or any of your listeners, authors, like you get tired of talking about your own book. It, yeah. 
Like you're like, uh, everyone already knows about it because I've said it 90 times. Yes. And yes. they're like, oh, wait, you have a book? Like, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. So like we get tired of it, mm-hmm. but how can we keep talking about it in a way that energizes us, makes us feel good, makes us not feel like spammy or slimy or salesy like all the time yeah. because who wants to live in that period all the time? Like yeah. I for sure do not. No. Um. So it's finding ways to talk about the book to to extend that out. And plus, as an author, I mean, listen, there are some authors that can like turn out like three, four books a year. That's not me. Mm-hmm. It, it's not practical in my lifestyle. I So if that's the case, I can't only talk about something for 16 to 90 days and then go radio silent for five years. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, I'm still here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, those are such great tips because I think even for those listening who have kids, there are books that we had before my kids could read that we would, you know, I'm reading to them or we're looking at the pictures. And then we get to a new phase where they're doing sight words and then they could pick out some of the words and then they're in a new phase. So we've literally had picture books for years. We still have a lot of picture books in there, 10 and 12. And there's now they're reading it to their nieces and nephews or sorry, their cousins, my nieces and nephews. Yes. So there's that natural way of how we read children's books. So just putting ourselves as the author into that long-term engagement is a great And I have to say, you know, especially now there are some for sure picture books that are absolutely very younger audience, like for sure, and an older child will get virtually zero value out of it at a certain age, like yeah. 100%. But then there are a lot of books that honestly are using vocabulary, using literary, all different formations. I could go on and on about picture books. Like I think teachers <laughs> teachers can teach using, you know, using them as examples for different monopia um, and, you know, different yeah. sense instruction, all the different things. And so I feel like kids, even though... At an age, I'm going to say like maybe like six and eight, like maybe you're at eight years old. Kids really definitely want to be like in a chapter book. Like they want to feel like that big kid, right? Yeah. They don't want to be like toting around a picture book. However, I will say the content is so very valuable for that older child. So finding ways for that older child to still engage in that text and whether it is reading to a cousin, whether it is reading to a dog, whether it... However it is, or even, you know, like a preteen, I don't know if your daughter, well, your daughter's 10, right? Yeah. Yes. And so turning 11. So, you know, pretty soon she could be like a mother's helper, uh, soon to be yeah. babysitting, right? And so reading to those younger children, but finding a way for your older child to still engage in picture books in a way where they don't think they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the benefit <laughs> of others. But they're trick equally them. trick them. They're equally yeah. taking away something valuable. The whole message of girl love, for example, it's not profound. If we want more love in our lives, we give it away. We'll see it come back to us, right? Like that's the whole premise of the book. I don't know what like three and four year old really get that concept. Even a five year old, I don't know. Like they're fun words. They're nice words. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not really until developmentally six, seven, eight even nine, where the power can actually land. 
-hmm. of saying, wow, I actually have the ability to change someone's day today. I have the ability to change someone's perspective. I have the ability of not feeling good today myself and giving someone else a smile and receiving a smile back. That's actually going to boost my spirits and like lift my day. A younger child's not hearing that message. It's not until the older child that that's landing on a little bit differently. And so that's the power of picture books, in my opinion, that I love. Yes. I do love the tricking them into like. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Can you share this to your sister and then really listen to the message? Because I think you need to like share more love right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I've talked to a few people who've wanted to write children's books. Yes. And we talk about who it's for and their demographic and really the purpose behind it. Like what's the message? Is the message for kids or their parents? One of my clients, she wrote a book about her adoption process with open adoption, but she put it in a children's book and then had a workbook that pairs with it for helping with conversations and dialogue and open transparency. Yeah. And that was such a phenomenal experience to go through in my uh, line of an author program because it took just as much time and energy and thought and perspective as someone writing a couple hundred page book you know Listen, and I, Erica it could take longer yeah when you have to be succinct you have to specifically choose the right words that can be trickier, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes like I am a natural overwriter. Sit me down. I will come up with three paragraphs like that. You ask me to write three sentences. I'm like, I need a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Let me take a minute on that. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. And then if you have any company activity, like the workbook, Mm -hmm. well, the illustrations Mm -hmm. for the book, but then if you have like another resource that goes along with it, Absolutely. Like pulling out and, you know, what you want the intention to be and what you're hoping lands. And it's a lot of thoughtfulness for sure. And I do think sometimes people, I mean, you said, you know, a few people who want to write children's books. Like, I feel like there's not one person I run into that has not said, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, and then it's one of those things of like, okay, having an idea is a great start for sure. Okay. But it is not for the faint of heart. There's a process. There's steps. There's thoughtfulness that have to go into it. Um, And that it requires dedication. And I think sometimes people think children's book, oh, that would be an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I think that alone, that thought won't carry you through all of the hard things. Yes. Yes. It doesn't serve you in the long run because then it's also easy to say, I'll do it later because what do I need to do like write 10 sentences and put some pictures on there you know like your mind plays tricks of oh it's I don't need to start now which I love that you've used the word thoughtfulness a couple times because that intention the thoughtfulness the really sinking into the process there's this fine line between thoughtfulness and perfectionism sure which we've Yep. Talked about previously of overcoming perfectionism as an author is a real thing because we do want to produce something that's valuable, that's transformational, that's quality. Mm-hmm. 
and and also gets done and put out yes. into the world. Absolutely. So how have you navigated overcoming perfectionism as an author? Yeah. So I think the first thing is to identify your standard, your level of excellence. And yours very well could be different than mine, can be different from everybody who's listening. And I think that's okay. I don't think that, that there's a set level of excellence. Now, as writers, as authors, let's assume we're talking grammar, punctuation, like all of the basics are there. Okay? <laughs> the basics like need to be there. Yeah. So like, so we're automatically like, that's automatically a given. But then beyond that, our level of experience, uh, expertise, uh, knowledge in the topic matter, just experience with the, the art of writing, the craft of writing. I think all of those are so at such varying levels and that's okay. As long as you've identified for yourself, your level of excellence and what you're striving for and work to attain that, work to hit that level. And then realize you've hit that level of your wherever, whatever you deem that to be, and let that be good enough. Let that then move you forward to the next stage. So there are things that I look back in my book and I'm like, I would change that. I would change. Of course I would. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, you paint your living room and five years later, it's like, oh, I want a new color. I want new pillows. I want. It's the nature of it, right? We have exposure to so many more things every single day. So of course that's going to influence us and 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 change our perspective and change our skill set to do better. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's the goal is to do better. Yeah. But if we're always just waiting for that, we will literally never have anything done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think if you truly are an author, want to be an author, want to be a published author. Setting that level of excellence for yourself, working hard to attain that, pushing yourself a bit out of your comfort level, understanding what that is, and then accepting those results. I, th I think that's how you overcome perfectionism. You almost spreadsheet it. You add logic to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take some of the emotion out of it and say, yeah. this is what I can execute with excellence. And this is how I define excellence yep. or good enough. Yep. In my align author process, we start with alignment and that is partly defining our goals and what success for that book looks like. A couple episodes ago, I had Tanisha O on here and she's writing 25 books this year. Like, see, that's crazy to me. Like, that's it's amazing. It's yes. Crazy. It's amazing. Like, I can do 25 chapters. Yeah. And she's like, my goal is not to be a New York Times bestselling author. My goal is to keep my word to myself and produce these books that will serve people this year and do what I set out to do. And so having that definition of this is the goal and this is the effort I am willing to put in, I agree. Like that is part of overcoming the perfectionism is taking confident action steps and starting with those small steps towards your goal and letting it be enough, I think is the important part and also hard part because Absolutely. we'll look it back is. and we're growing and changing and Absolutely. especially as lifelong learners and ambitious women, mm -hmm. of course, like this can be a great metric of saying like, wow, look how much I've learned since yeah. I published my book five years ago. 
Absolutely. Wow. I mean, even by the time you get to the end of the book, you can sometimes go back to the beginning of the book and want to start changing and tweaking and modifying because you've grown so much during that process. And so again, unless something's completely out of whack and it's something astonishing that you're like, oh my gosh, like I just had this wrong, by all means go back and correct that for sure. But I mean, I think if it's just like a natural progression that just like gets just better because you're doing it longer, I think that's okay. And to take that confident action like you were talking about, I truly believe comes from identifying what whatever the success is, the goal is, you're enough, the level of excellence. When you can articulate and define, so if you say to me, Kimberly, what's your idea of success? And I can tell you what that is, then I can take confident action. If you're humming and asking me, like, Kimberly, what are your values? And I'm like, well, I, right? Like, how am I yeah. going to move forward with that? Yes. <laughs> I think that you need to spend some time there and, and understand that for yourself. And no one can give that to you. Nobody. Okay. Nobody can define it for you because it is truly different for everyone. And if I went under your definition of success, I will feel like I'm missing the mark every single time. Yeah. Or it's unattainable. We're not measuring up or we're, it's too easy. It's, yeah, yeah we're, we're keeping our eyes on our own paper. Yes. Yes. No cheating. Like you yes. get the, the manila folders up like around your desk in third grade, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes, sure. great visual. Well, speaking of values, one of the values that you hold really strongly and keep yourself to a high standard is the environmental impact of books, the social impact of books. And I've recently gone on my own rabbit trail of researching impact campaigns, and it's usually around social impact entertainment. My friend is a filmmaker. And so she was talking about an impact campaign and just the words made me like, yes, tell me more. Like what's an impact campaign? And it's basically marketing that aims to make a difference in society. So partnering with nonprofits or having a message behind the entertainment value of something, you know, that benefits consumers the community, the world. And so I love that because you are very clear on your value of social environmental impact of what you produce, it dictates who you publish with or how you publish, how you market, how you deliver. And I would love for you to just share like some of that journey of what got you there? What are some of the steps that you've taken that would look like an extra step for people who don't have that direct conscious value yeah. in the environment and social? Yeah. So, you know, I have been an entrepreneur for over 25 years. So I have a lot of experience being an entrepreneur. Being a social entrepreneur is something that I've really been conscious of I mean, not even quite 10 years, maybe maybe five to eight years, truly, truly active and passionate about it. And so what that looks like for me, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the chip of bottom line, it's a concept uh, that's out there that I definitely did not create it, but it's basically people, planet, and profit. So to have a business that runs well, that it's not just profit-based, right? So as a business owner, I'm not just looking at incoming revenue. I'm 
very much so taking into account the people that it impacts, the people that are participating, the people that are producing, the planet, whatever the environment, the social environment. So trees, water, nature, air, animals, all of those things, and then profit. And I think that that's where originally, when I first started really getting into it a number of years ago, I was thinking, okay, well, any revenue that's coming into my business is all going to go back out. And it's going to go back into things that benefit people and planet. And of course, I can get paid, right? It's just whatever the excess monies would be and how those would be divided. And I feel like um, what I love about the triple bottom line is it does take into account the profit of an organization. And listen, Eric, if you want to be around for a while, people need to pay you. You need to make money. Right. I don't. Last time I checked, like, you you know, you can't feed your family for free. You can't live in a house for free. And it's not wrong to want a new dress or whatever the case is. Right. And so I use that kind of as my marching orders, really, if you will. So people first, planet, profit. And then for me, I've added one extra P, which is picture books, because I love picture books so much. Oh, I love that. I operate under the four P business model. (laughs) So you did create that part. I did create that part, yes. <laughs> I'm sure someone's out there rolling their eyes for sure. And that's perfectly okay. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and oh, so man. when I'm working with um, any type of supplier, uh, partnering with anyone, I really, as much as I can, you know, people have absolutely pushed back, tried to poke holes, you don't know. And it's like, listen, you're right. I'm not all knowing. I can only do the best that I can do. So I can only research the best that I can do. I can only ask the questions that I think are important to ask. If I'm being lied to, I don't just take people's words. I do do a little bit deeper research than that. At the end of the day, if someone wants to bamboozle someone, they're going to. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to let that go. And you've learned something new in the process. (laughs) And you've learned something new in the process. Absolutely. And so, you know, making sure that people are being paid fair wages. Um, I believe in a global marketplace. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing business globally, believe in international adoption. I believe in like one world, one humanity, like why I believe in that. So I'm not going to limit to the borders, the fictitious borders that are on a map, right? Of saying like where something has to be produced, but I am going to take into consideration and make sure like, are people being compensated fairly? Are they being treated well on our... The, the practices good for the environment, how are, you know, for printing, how are they offsetting? I'm making sure that I'm using all um, environmentally and soy-based inks. I'm making sure I'm using recycled stocks. I'm recycled boards, all of those things. And then from a standpoint of how are books being shipped? So actually, if I'm producing overseas, coming over on a container, do you actually know that that's less environmental impact? Than if I was that maybe seven states away and trucking it, trucking books. Really? There's less of an impact. no idea. And so just educating ourselves around what that looks like, trying to really figure out what is my overall social impact, what would that carbon offset look like, and then what can I do to, to achieve that offset, right? So if it's planting trees, working with organizations, donating money, all of these things. And so those are the things I look at. I take into account. It's very important to me. And so, yeah, I mean, even from like capes that I use to shipping packages to just during research and can I get better? 
for sure. For sure. But at the same time, am I doing the best and implementing information that I've learned? For sure. And I think we all have the power to do that. And I bet you there's someone listening out there that says, yeah, you're one person. It really isn't that big of a deal. It's the corporations. It's the larger organizations that truly listen. Of course it is. Of course, it's large corporations that need to make these changes. That doesn't mean I'm going to bury my head in the sand. Yeah. There are so many independent small businesses, one to five people businesses in the United States that if we all make this commitment, we will have significant impact. So it's just a matter of educating ourselves and sometimes it's like small little tweaks. Like you don't even know, like it's just like one item over the next or, or whatever. So, well, and it doesn't, it doesn't serve us to believe that our actions don't matter that only the big groups and people and organizations like that is a limiting belief that will keep us perpetuating injury to people on the planet and and our profit and so it's better all around to like you said believe that if all of us little people joined together that 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 ripple effect absolutely matters and I love that you do all of this due diligence and really put your the actions behind your beliefs and your words. And that's the best that all, any of us can do is to really define our values and then do our due diligence to continue to make little tweaks, 1% improvements, educate ourselves, and then say, okay, how can I continue this? So thank you for that example. Yeah. And, and I will just yeah. add really quick, if it's someone, maybe someone's listening saying, well, you know, the environment, that's not actually a strong value of mine. I mean, unless you're out and really hate the environment, <laughs> I think that there's still opportunity to get on board. I don't yeah. think that it has to be like a really strong passion to make some of these smaller changes to just care for what we use daily the resources that we're using daily. So I don't know if it has to, yes, it's a passion of mine. It's a value of mine. I don't think someone has to be like diehard people planet to actually make some of these changes just to make it better for everybody. For sure. Yeah. Yes. And your passion about the environment has also, you've done so much research and I love following people that have done the research because I'm like, you are a trusted person. You are opening up your publishing company. Can I tell you that? Okay. And I'm like, it would be such an easy yes to join your publishing company because of the values that you hold. And in some ways you make it easier for us who are like, I do care and I want to do better. And you've put in a lot of legwork to like, make that happen for more people. So can you tell us a little bit more about your publishing company? Yes. So it's, you know, definitely a couple of years out. Strong in my planning process now. I'm working with some organizations to actually help me solidify a better plan of understanding a book's life footprint, basically. So from book birth through end of life, which actually the biggest impact that books have on the environment is actually end of life. So I think that there's a lot of educating to be done around that. What can we do when we're done with the book? That actually helps. 
I was thinking, oh, it's going to be on the front end producing and delivering. But when I think it, about all the books that were like, now what do we do with them there? Yes. We're done. And so I think that there's a lot of, and I also right now am in the information receiving, researching, working with an organization to fully understand that so that I can educate better. Um, I do think that in my next book, I am actually going to have that information like end of book life printed inside the book so that people Brilliant. very easily can have these different solutions and ideas. Picture books in particular, I think that you can do so many things with picture yeah. books. So, yeah. so many things like you can laminate pages and turn them into placemats. You can use them as wall art. You can use them as Christmas ornament. Like there's so many things. That's yeah. not the case for all books, obviously, yeah. um, that maybe aren't as visual, but still so many opportunities of what you can do. So I think that that's really important. So I'm working with a company to to help from birth through end of life of a book's process life. And then, yes, I'm going to be opening that up to other authors to to publish under and to really have that be a focus. Do I think I'm going to be competing with Amazon? I do not. Do I wish I could? I do. Because <laughs> not from a not from a quantity standpoint, but from a uh, quality standpoint, from an environmental impact standpoint. Listen, Amazon's great, but it's great for one thing and not great for many things. And you know, it that just is what it is. So that, I think yeah. that's a different podcast. Um, that so that fuels your fire of like, okay, I have to create this i have yes. to offer it well and then just also the lack of um education that authors have which it makes sense you're in the business of writing you yeah. want to write and produce and to sell a book you want to get your message of importance out there you want to impact lives like it all makes perfect sense why these things would not be high on your radar i get that so if I can do anything to minimize that for you and to educate more and to, you know, relieve your legwork. And then you can still move forward with a really good product, not having to worry about any of the things, great quality, you know, all the things. I mean, I can list off all yeah. the terms. It's not important, but to end with a really great product and do better by the environment. I mean, great. Win, win. Yes, I hope I can do that. I, I hope that that's something, and not just me. I hope any other publisher out there listening is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take these into consideration. Or, hey, Kimberly, this is so great. I've already considered this. I'm already doing these things. And to educate more, reach out yes. for collaboration, right? Like, I don't think it's yes. a one and done. It's on many. Like, this is all hands on deck. Let's let's work together collectively to to do better. Absolutely. Oh. So good. I, I love the ecosystem of women supporting women as well. So yeah, let's just keep circulating all this abundance and awareness and education. So thank you for yeah. being such a beautiful part of that and bringing that awareness to us here on What's Your Story as well. It's just this beautiful ripple effect. It is, isn't it? It's yeah. wonderful. I love that you're doing this. I love that you have this platform for many people. You're a brilliant connector. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I love to wrap our episodes up with two questions. Okay. So the first one is what's been an impactful book that's helped you in your journey to where you are today? 
You know, one of the books that started me off 15 plus years ago, Success Principles by Jack Canfield, that was something that I happened upon. There's a much longer story that goes with it. I ended up doing the activities in the book. Plus, I was in a transformative stage in my life. So I'm sure that, you know, coupled with coming upon that book definitely changed the trajectory for me in many ways, mm -hmm. personally and professional. Mm, that's a good one. Thank you for sharing. I'll link that in the show notes. Okay. Um, success principles. The second question is what confident action step would you like to leave with our listeners? Identify your level of excellence. Mm -hmm. and, and so if that needs to be broken down, define what is excellent to you. If you need further help, um, brainstorm, like make a list of your expertise, your skill set, how that all feeds that, like where you're at, if you wanted to, like where you want to grow, how you want to grow. Maybe even during a, the book process, if we're like keeping it very limited to this one project and then identify it, actually write out a statement of your level of excellence and then let that be your, let that be your guide. I love that. Making it very tangible and then we're only running our own race. Nothing else. Yep. Yes. Yep. Run your own race. And I'm here cheering you on. I'm here cheering every yeah. single person on, every listener on. I absolutely, without seeing someone's face, without knowing someone's name, believe in you, period. Yeah. Someone wants to do it. They can do it. I'm cheering you on, Erica. I know you're cheering them on. For sure. People have the capability. We can do it do it mm -hmm. and speaking of that where can people connect with you find you and um, so my website is kimberlywyman.com and on socials on xo kimberly wyman perfect and i will link those too because i know both kimberly and i like she said we are great cheerleaders we're great encouragers we're great listeners we'd love to hear your story hear where you're at on any of these topics, whether you're writing a children's book or you're learning more about environmental and social impact or overcoming perfectionism, any of the things we want to hear from you. So if you would tag us on Instagram, we would love to connect with you more. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for this time sharing your story and your so many great aha and lightning moments. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I loved it. And thank you, friend, for listening to What's Your Story. Until next time, seek purpose over perfection and use your story as a catalyst for change. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story. I love spending time with you. Now, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review because I love hearing from you. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a friend and then come hang out with me on Instagram at Erica Akingboye. Be sure to check out the show notes. I've included all important notes and links, including how you can get the latest free download that is exactly how to use your story to create social change. I'll be back here next week and hope you will be too. See you there, friend.